Welcome to Travels in the Mathematical World, a podcast from the Institute of Mathematics and its applications, the IMA. My name is Peter Roll, this is episode 21. 21 is the number of squares in the unique, smallest, simple, squared square. And if that's baffled you, there'll be a link in the show notes to further information about squaring the square. This week is Math History Week on the podcast, and... As usual, Noel Ann Bradshaw of the University of Greenwich and meetings coordinator for the British Society for the History of Mathematics gives us a biography of a mathematician. This week is Alan Turing. Alan Turing is now best known as one of the pioneers of modern-day computing, but he was first and foremost a mathematician. He was born in 1912 in London. Alan's father worked for the British Civil Service in India and thus was often away from home. When Alan was about a year old, his mother returned to India, leaving him with family friends. And for the first few years of his life, his parents travelled back and forth between England and India. As a young boy, his first attempt at schooling was unsuccessful, and he was taken away after a few months. But at the age of ten, he was sent to a prep school. However, he did not seem to progress that well, and in fact, like many mathematicians, was criticised for poor handwriting, lack of attention, and being too interested in his own rather than his teacher's ideas in mathematics. But nevertheless, he progressed to Sherborne, where despite pursuing his own agenda, also managed to win a number of prizes for mathematics. However, one of his teachers said of him, if he is to stay at public school, he must aim at becoming educated. If he is to be solely a scientific specialist, he is wasting his time at public school. However, in 1931, he won a scholarship to study mathematics at King's College, Cambridge. Here, he had more freedom to explore the mathematical ideas that so fascinated him. He read Russell's Introduction to Mathematical Philosophy and von Neumann's 1932 text on quantum mechanics. In 1933, he began to become interested in mathematical logic and presented a paper to the university's Moral Science Club. This is minuted as A.M. Turing read a paper on mathematics and logic. He suggested that a purely logistic view of mathematics was inadequate and that mathematical propositions possessed a variety of interpretations of which the logistic was merely one. After he graduated in 1931, he attended Max Newman's Advanced Mathematics course on the Foundations of Maths. This course looked at questions raised by Gödel and Hilbert. It seems to be the concept of decidability that fascinated Turing the most. This concept of decidability, or finding a method or algorithm to decide if a proposition holds or not, is now fundamental to computing. However, during much of his time at Cambridge, he worked largely on probability theory. This work continued after he graduated, and in 1936 he became a Smith's Prizeman for a dissertation entitled On the Gaussian Error Function. Shortly after this, he published a paper on computable numbers, which introduced an abstract machine. This machine is what we now know as a Turing machine. 
This could either write or delete a series of numbers or letters on a tape. Turing wrote this about it. Some of the symbols written down will form the sequences of figures, which is the decimal of the real number which is being computed. The others are just rough notes to assist the memory, and it will only be these rough notes which will be liable to erasure. Although this paper contained a significant amount of mathematical theory directly relating to computers, he found it difficult to get it published. This was because an American mathematician, Alonzo Church, who also had an interest in computing, had just published a similar paper using a very different approach to Turing. Newman, who had lectured Turing at Cambridge, was instrumental in finally getting a revised version of Turing's paper published. He ended up pursuing this research with Church in Princeton, America, where he remained for two years. On returning to England, he worked on producing other mechanical devices before the outbreak of war saw him being requested to go to the Government Code and Cipher School at Bletchley Park. He was the first of many high-level mathematicians that were asked to assist with the country's code-breaking activities. And I think it's worth pointing out that today GCHQ, Government Communication Headquarters, is the country's largest employer of, pu of pure mathematicians. Here, Turing's work involved finding ways to break the enemy's codes, as well as trying to develop computers to aid this. Together with another mathematician, Welshman, he created a machine called the bomb, which was used to decode the German messages sent by Enigma. In 1942, Turing went to the USA for four months. This was to discuss the current U-boat crisis and a proposed scrambling device. During this time, Britain momentarily lost the ability to break Germany's codes, but fortunately, after a lot of hard work, by the time Allen returned, all had been restored, and after this, his deputy remained in charge. This was good as it left Turing free to work on electronics and concentrate on the development of a speech secrecy system. This greatly improved what Britain and America already had in place. So when the war ended, this invention led to the National Physical Laboratory inviting him to design a computer. Turing's design could be considered the forerunner of the modern-day computer. And in fact, the size of storage capacity that he proposed was considered so ambitious that it meant there were lengthy delays in the project obtaining approval. In 1945, he received an OBE for his wartime efforts. In 47, he returned to Cambridge, where he carried out studies in neurology and physiology. But then, by the end of that academic year, he took up a post in Manchester, where he helped with the mathematical side of construction of the Manchester Mark I. In 1950, he published Computing, Machinery and Intelligence in Mind, and this paved the way for the studies in the area of artificial intelligence as we know it today. In 1951, he was elected a Fellow of the Royal Society, mainly for his work on the Turing machine. 
but life was not easy for Turing. He had always been very open about his homosexuality, but in 1952 he was arrested owing to the fact that he reported a break-in which led to the police finding out that he had been involved in a homosexual affair. You need to be aware that at that time homosexuality was illegal and considered scandalous. He was found guilty and agreed to take a course of hormone therapy instead of accepting the confines of a prison cell and he continued to pursue academic studies. Prior to his conviction he had resumed work secretly for GCHQ but due to this he now no longer had security clearance and he was considered a threat to national security. He died in 1954 of potassium cyanide poisoning. The court found there to be evidence that this had been deliberate and that he had taken his own life, but his mother always maintained that it was accidental. I think it's incredibly sad to think that this great mathematician who did so much to help Britain win World War II was not able to continue the job that he loved and was so talented at. Okay, I hope you enjoyed listening to that. If it's piqued your interest, you can find links to further information in the show notes for the podcast, uh, which are available along with the previous 20 episodes at www.travelsinamathematicalworld.co.uk. If you're interested in finding out more about my work with the IMA, you can read my blog also through that link and via ima.org.uk slash student and you can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash peterrowlett that's R-O-W-L-E-T-T Alright, thank you for listening.